First Peter chapter 2, I want to begin a series. Are you with me? A series. Now that we're on partial lockdown, I want to teach you the Bible. And uh, so I want to begin a series. It will take us, we want to teach on the critical aspects of the Christian faith so that every one of us will be equipped in the things of God. First Peter chapter 2, I begin the reading from verse 5. It says, Ye also, as lively stones, have built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, the function of what a priest should do is in this scripture. The way we were crafted, consistent with God's purpose, was also revealed in this scripture. And what makes a spiritual sacrifice acceptable in the sight of God was also revealed in this scripture. This scripture is a platform that we are going to attend to subsequently, but in order for us to establish this teaching, this doctrine, I'd like to take us further in the reading. Next verse. It says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Yes, go on. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, thereunto also they were appointed. Next verse says, But ye, those other scriptures spoke about some other people. The first scripture that began to speak about you was that you are lively stones. You are lively stones. This is the second verse of scripture speaking about you. He said, ye are a chosen generation. So I'll have to start from here. Ye are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are an holy nation, a peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This scripture is heavy, but we'll try to unravel it gradually. I will start from his source code. The other day in the parliament, we began trying to expose what a source code is. Because the Bible is so prophetic. And when prophets begin to alter the counsel of the Lord, there are several, several times where the things that are uttered begins to find expression. 
And many times when prophecies are fulfilled, it's very difficult to understand what God is doing, except there is an interpreter on ground that will connect the fulfillment to his source code. And that was what happened on the day of Pentecost. When Peter came, he connected what was happening to the prophecy of Joel, and that was the source code. And everything that was taking place that day was already captured in prophecy. That's the power of prophecy. Prophecy is powerful. And as, and as people of God, working with the Holy Spirit, we cannot but take prophecy seriously. Now, so we will begin attempting to understand what God means by saying we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. This is too, too much. He would have used any of the words, but any of the words won't do. All of the words actually reveal the intent and the package. So we need to go back to the book of Exodus chapter 19. I want to build a case. Hallelujah. I want to build a case. And what I'm trying to do, what I'm attempting to do, is to establish the doctrine of priesthood. The doctrine of priesthood. My burden for many, many days from today is to establish a body of truth around the concept of priesthood. So in the book of Exodus chapter 19, we will find the source code. And from this source code, we will begin our navigation. If you are still with me, say amen. amen. Exodus chapter 19. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came there into the wilderness of Sinai. For there were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say unto the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my commandment, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Verse 6, my emphasis. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Can we read 
Verse 6 again. I, I want this to enter into I'm trying to show you who you are. Because it's obvious that many of us are living below the belt, below the expectation. So I'm trying to show you who you are by ordination. What God has made you. Hallelujah. Verse 6, one to go. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. This is going to be your identity. A kingdom of priests. For those of you that understand politics, if we study India as a nation, for instance, it's, it's a nation of philosophy. And when you go deeper into the study of, of the, the, the um, culture of the Indian people, you'll find about six million gods because life for the Indian is philosophy. How many of you still remember the name of Ghana, the old name of Ghana? What was it called? The Gold Coast, because it was a nation of gold. The economy was influenced by that mineral resource called gold. It was a gold country. And the Great Britain is a navy country. So there is an activity that defines a people, a nation, defines a nation state. The kind of nation God wanted to, ra to raise was a nation of priests. Now, we've had all kinds of nations, but we have never had a priest nation. And God had this vision of birthing a priest nation. A nation where every citizen of that land was designed to be in service to God. And that is going to be the reason why they were going to be peculiar because there's no nation like that. It's a crystallization of something very different from what we have known nations to be. And this was the vision that God had for Israel. I'm going to raise a nation of priests from the king that sits on the throne to the cleaner that does the chores around the corridor to the one that cuts flowers on the streets. They are all supposed to be in active service to God. And a new kind of nation was what God had in mind to bring forth among these people. God began to share his vision. Hallelujah. Amen. I say hallelujah. So if you want to define Nigeria, how will you look at it? It's a nation of what? Of what? I know you are trying to be polite. We are a nation of corruption. Nation. Corruption. That means anything going on in Nigeria right now, including ministry, you need to check it very carefully because there's, some, there's likely to be some corruption built around it. I didn't say that, the statistics that said that. That unconsciously we have evolved to become a nation of corruption. 
So everything in the nation has to be subject to extra scrutiny to ensure that this system is living on the principles of Zion, that there is no manifestation of Babylon that finds expression in it. Because we have evolved to become a nation of corruption. But in our lifetime, if our labors are true to God, then in our lifetime, Nigeria will be a new name. But the vision that God had in mind was to crystallize a nation of priests. And such a nation has never existed before. And that, that new design is what was going to make Israel a peculiar people. A land that is different from every land. So that when merchants come with commodity to that nation, they will... The protocol that they will be subjected to because they are a strange kind of nation will minister to foreigners that have dealings in that land because the idea that there will be a nation of priests was going to set them apart from all lands. Hallelujah. So even if you are going to have business with them, there is a level of decorum that you have to maintain in order for you to fit into such as can that can do business and transact with these people because of their lofty ideals. They are a nation of priests. From the king that sits on the throne to the servant on the field to the handmaiden, there shall be the priests of God. Hallelujah. So, you see, Moses went to have some time of communion with God. And the object of his communion was not personal revival. He was going there on behalf of a nation as a national prophet. Seeking that God might give him entrance into the destiny of the nation that God had called him to begin to form. And what he picked from the mouth of God about that nation was that you guys are going to be a peculiar treasure. When people look upon you, they will marvel because your texture will be different. Your pursuit will be different. The reasons for which you thrive will be different. In every aspect of your nationhood, your peculiarity is going to be something that will constitute a spectacle to all people. This is the vision that I have for Israel. I'm wondering how Moses, because how Moses felt, because this vision never existed anywhere before. Meanwhile, you must understand that they were coming out of the breadbasket of the world, even Egypt. Are you here? Egypt fed the whole world because of the wisdom that was upon Jacob, upon Joseph. They were coming from the breadbasket of the world. Egypt was considered to be the light. And in those days, if you had not yet visited Egypt, Egypt was like what we call United States of America now. If you have not visited Egypt, it means you didn't live well in that time. It was a heart of technology. In fact, in my studies, I found out that there was a 
the technology of embalmment to embalm a dead body so that you can retain the person's face after 1,000 years, 2,000 years, you will still be able to, you can still see how the person looked like. There were many things that were caught up in that civilization. And God was saying, I know you've seen Egypt before. You labored there. You built that nation. It was a nation that was dedicated to the sun God. But right now, I have a new idea. It's not a nation of the military. Not a nation that has capacity and intelligence as it may be. But I want to raise a spiritual nation where every indigene of that land will be what? A priest. And this designation that I confer upon you is going to make you a peculiar people. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. So this was the vision that the Lord had. And one thing about God, many of you must have read the scripture that says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And many people have interpreted that to mean that if God has called you to be an evangelist and he puts a calling on your life and puts a gift on your life and you decide to serve lost because the gifts and the callings of God, God is handicapped because his gifts and callings are without repentance. That individual that has decided to serve lost becomes, becomes a headache to God because God can no longer do what he wants to do and he's bound by his oath that he will not withdraw the calling. He will not withdraw the gift. You are wrong. That's not what it means. What it means is, what's, the, what's your family name? We are Peter who? Ichamu. Chamu. Jamu. All right. So he's Peter Jamu. If God says, I'm going to raise a revivalist from the Jamu family, and maybe the mantle came upon your dad. Are you with me? And then your dad wasn't serious about it. You know what? God's intention to raise a revivalist from the Jamu family will never change. But the men that can feature in the fulfillment of that plan can change. There has never been any time in a plan that Immort has put in place that any single man was indispensable. Never. So God wants a nation of priests. Are you here? God will get a nation of priests, whether it is Israel or not, he will get it. It is part of his policy. And immortals do not need to recall their policies like Toyota cars. You know, you manufacture a Toyota car, then you find out that it has a software error. Then they will recall all the vehicles and say, oh, we made a mistake. And then they work on it again for free and then release it into circulation. God has no need to recall any policy because it was right the first time. Are you, are you with me? God's, God's plans are constant, but his men can change. And just in case the anointing is on your life, don't ever think that you are indispensable. In your lifetime, God will raise people that are better, stronger, sharper, and you will be alive to see it.
That's how dispensable men are. But if you stay true to the covenant, you will realize that God is a faithful God. And so God began to share his, his vision with Moses. And Moses came and communicated with the children of Israel. But few years down the road, Israel, Israel taught. Are you here? Israel's interpretation of the nature of God concerning callings and giftings was the wrong perspective that I just corrected now. And something happened in the wilderness. And that is what I want to discuss this night. Because if we are going to fulfill our lot as priests in the kingdom of God, we must not repeat the error of Sinai. Turn your Bible with me to the book of Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. It's a long reading, just be patient with me. From verse 15. And Moses stormed and went down from the mount, and the two tablets of testimony were in his hand. Let me explain a little before I continue with my reading. You must understand the enormous task that was upon Moses. These guys were coming out of civilization, and they were wandering into the wilderness, seeking the land that God had promised their ancestors. Are you with me? All right. They had no ministry of defense. They had no social security number. They had no, no health care program. They had, no, they had nothing. And God raised a prophet among them. It was this, through the instrumentality of this prophet that God was going to provide everything that the nation needed. And at this particular time, what God was crystallizing through this prophet was the law. The law under which, or the constitution, the ground norm, that will become the foundation of that civilization. And Moses went to the mountains and God called him. And for the first time, God decided to write. He wrote with his fingers on the tablets of stone. That which Moses went to bring was the constitution of the nation. So for every facet of their livelihood as a nation, Moses would have to go up the mountain and generate the wisdom that will establish the system. You are not with me. Oh my God. Okay, I'll try again for 15 minutes. If I notice you are not with me, I will stop. This topic, I will not teach it whether you understand it or not. If you don't understand it, I'll keep it. Two years from now, we start again. Because this is your identity. I'm trying to show you who you are. This prophet will have to go to the mountain and then receive the laws of God from the mountain top and then come and establish structures in place to administer that justice. Are you with me? Now, his task was enormous. What we call politicians today, the leadership is a prophetic role. 
and the way these guys were led was that they went to god to get templates and at this time god was handing out the ground norm that will govern these people as a foundation of their culture and their civilization such that for israel the culture and the religion was one are you with me the religion and the culture was one making it extremely impossible to convert an israelite because if you are going to convert an israelite <laughs> he will cease to exist the way he has known that kind of system was what got evolved in keeping with the dream of 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 establishing a priest nation so moses was coming down with the tablets of stone the people were supposed to be waiting for him at the foot of the mountain so that the first layer of their civilization the first trap of their culture could be fitted into place and the necessary functionaries that would need to be established in order to ensure that this ground norm was entrenched in their culture we have to rise on the account of the coming of the law into their midst the 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 the, the, the responsibility on moses was grievous you, you know it's easy for you to come and say okay we're just pastoring what it means is get some messages get some things from the bible and share with people and bless them even someone that is not born again can do that because i've met people that are scholars in the scriptures that are not born again we are not talkatives we have been put in place to download patterns patterns policies and strategies for the implementation of god's will in every facet of human endeavor and so moses went and he was able to generate the ground norm and he was coming down from the mountain so that's what we are reading about okay and um verse 16 says and the tablets were the work of god and the writing was the writing of God graving upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the noise of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass that as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he saw the calf and dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hand and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of israel drink of it and moses said unto aaron what did this people what did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them 
And Aaron said, Let not thy anger be waxed, my let not the anger of my Lord be waxed hot. Thou knowest the people that they had set on, they had set on mischief. And they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whatsoever had, whosoever had any gold, let them break it up. So they gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. Can you can you hear? Do you see what most uh, Aaron say? He just took the tin from them. He just cast it, and then what came out was was a golden calf. This was the defense. <laughs> And when Moses saw the people were naked, and Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Verse 26, I want to take time to walk on it. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp. He refused to enter. And said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. This was the scene of Sinai. God wanted to crystallize a nation that was a nation of priests. That even if you get employment in Zenith Bank, before you are a banker, you are a priest. You are just a banker priest. If you get employment into the military, you are first a priest before you are a soldier. You are a soldier priest. And every facet of human endeavor is supposed to be manned by priests. That's the idea that God had in mind. But unfortunately, before the first strand of, of kingdom governance will come into their midst, they had already chosen another God. Meanwhile, they were supposed to be a peculiar treasure that is altogether separated to God, their meaning, the meaning they have, will be the meaning that was conferred upon them on the account of their separation. But before the first strand of the articles of government could come to touch down, they had already chosen another God, and they were naked before him. And then God's vision was truncated. That thing that Moses did was prophetic. Who is on, on the Lord's side? And then when the tribe of Levi... Who, 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 who can tell me why it was the tribe of Levi that, that responded? Huh? Uh-uh. Why was it the tribe of Levi that responded? Are you saying something? Mm-mm. They have not consecrated them yet. Moses was standing in the gate... And Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? That's all he said. It was the tribe of Levi that stood behind him. Why was it the tribe of Levi? The, that's where he, he, he came from. Those guys are his kinsmen. So it was as if the other people had collaborated. I said, see you, he's not even from our tribe. Yes. They had brought tribalism into the matter. So when Moses came, stood by the gate and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Only his people, his kinsmen. 
his tribe came and stood with him. By that prophetic action, God's vision was truncated. God could no longer have a nation of priests. His vision to crystallize a nation of priests was cut short. And only Levi could now stand in the priesthood. And it came to pass. When God was doing coronation, are you, are you with me? When the coronation was ordered, the house that was highly choiced in this priestly program became the house of Aaron. So at the end of the day, God now had two sets of people. He had the Levites and he had the others. And in the Levites, his national plan was able to find expression. Hallelujah. Amen. And among the Levites, there was this house of Aaron that will always produce the people that will lead the band of priests. This was a makeshift arrangement because of the stiff-necked nature of the people of Israel. Now, if you have ever visited a native doctor, because I know some of you here have visited a native doctor, when you went to visit that native doctor, you did not go there to learn about the spirit he was using. You just wanted solution. If you are going to know the ways of a spirit, you will need to accept to become a priest of that spirit. It is only on account of priesthood that the ways of a spirit can be unveiled. But God's national vision became a tribal vision. And Israel began to lose the grounds of the lofty plans that God had in mind for them. Sinai. Sinai was the place where a national plan became a tribal plan. Sinai was the place of downgrading. When something that was full of splendor was only captured by a few. Sinai was a place of rebellion against God. And only few men chose to do what a nation was called to do. Let me tell you something. The body of Christ in our nation has come to Sinai. You know Jesus made a statement. And he told us the cost of discipleship. That discipleship is going to cost us. The one that is going to follow him will have to deny himself. That means there are sacrifices against his pleasure, against his enjoyment, against his advancement in some cases that he will have to make because he has prioritized Jesus as his absolute object of followership. That is what it means to be single-eyed, where your love for God is higher than the love that you have for any other thing. And because of your followership of God and the pressure that is placing upon your heart, you will lose fraternity with many things that hold sway around your soul. And many people will look onto you and say, you are mad, you are becoming crazy. But you see, that's what it takes to become a priest. In order for you to become 
a peculiar treasure, your followership of Jesus is going to make you different. Just because you are following Jesus, you will become a product that is different from the normal kind of people. Are you here? Oh, there, there, there were so many things that would have come out of my life by now. So many plans I had, which never came to pass. Because as I began to follow Jesus, on the scale of followership, many things could not stand on the scale of followership. So Jesus told us the price of this discipleship, that you first of all have to deny yourself. When you finish denying yourself, it means you are no longer in charge. It is God that is in charge. You, you can no longer pursue your ambition that you had in mind because you have enthroned the Lord. He's now your king. When you deny yourself, that's when you become pliable in the hands of God. He can make you anything he wants to make you. He can make out of you also anything he wants to make you. That's when you become a true vessel that can begin to contain costly things in the spirit. After you have succeeded in denying yourself, you have to learn how to take up your cross. Have you ever imagined when Jesus took up his cross and he was going to Golgotha? Are you here? Do you realize that with that cross on his shoulder, if there was a beautiful lady standing by him, he couldn't even look. Why? His cross already sentenced him. If you have ever seen a woman that is about to deliver in the labor room, the last time I had the opportunity to, I ran away because, hallelujah, I have a weakness. I can't see people suffer. So that's, it, will, it will do something terrible on my soul, so I had to escape. But I heard that in labor, if you buy lace, the kind of lace the woman has been crying for snapping from, from Alibaba. I'm downloading for you to see that this is the type Rich women were in their village. If you buy that lace while she's in labor, it's a waste of time. Because there is something stronger than that lace that has seized her entire being. Your work with God, when it seizes your being, it will make you a peculiar treasure. You will be different from normal. There is a passion that you have that is so mighty that affects every other aspect of your life. He was calling them and you realize it's not every believer that is willing to pay the price of discipleship. So even though God wants all of us to operate in a certain way, at the end of the day, he gets the Levites and the other people. And until a nation of priests crystallizes, because God will not stop until he has a nation of priests. Okay? Mm. So, the devil will ensure that we have Levites and other people. And uh, the, the, the presence of these priestly people across that great nation is supposed to be on every single spot. And the Levites do not have the capacity in terms of men, in terms of numbers, to totally infiltrate Israel and bring about the corporate priestly effect that God intended to harvest from that land. The downgrading of the possibility of that divine policy had already affected the outcome that God was expecting from the land. Are you with me? 
So the reason why we are doing this teaching, because I'm trying to use this night to introduce the teaching. The reason for the teaching is that we want to blot out the others so that all can be priests. I know you've walked a mundane walk for many years. And then Pentecostal preachers now came and compounded the issue and made you think that the goal of Christianity is money doubling. And when you drop some amount, it will mature. <laughs> I came to tell you that Jesus is not a money doubler. And Jesus is not a God that gives men false hope. It is, it is after I've taught priesthood, I can now teach you prosperity. You understand it. And you will know that most of what you heard about prosperity is, is the, a new doctrine called mammonism. It's an, it's an attempt at enthroning a deity over your soul so that your soul can be possessed by the wisdom of this deity. And this deity will shape your life and give you a pursuit after the vanities that our ancestors had already judged. You'll be looking for what is not lost. Hallelujah. And so it's God's plan for the whole nation to be caught up in this policy. And uh, there are several things that priests, there's a culture that is supposed to affect priests. You see, because of this dichotomy of the Levites and others, are you with me? You remember when David's soldiers came to the temple asking for food, and the bread that was available was sacred bread, was uncommon bread, was priestly bread, was shoe bread. The type that was found on the table of shoe bread, that was the kind of bread that was available. Common bread was not there. The reason why, are you with me? That was supposed to be the normal bread that every Israelite eats. But because of the dichotomy, the priest had to do an, a, 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 a quick assessment of the soldiers. When last did they meet with women that they are not married to? They had to do a quick assessment. Because there's a level of consecration that is supposed to be in the life of a man that qualifies to partake of this kind of bread. And because they did not train themselves as priests, they trained themselves as others. So, they were being confronted with laws that they were never used to, they were never exposed to. Meanwhile, that was supposed to be their lot and portion. There, were many, there are many things you have learned which is not the way of the priests. The reason for this conference is to make you unlearn it. You've been mundane, normal, and carnal, pursuing your degree for selfish reasons. God is not factored into the civilization you are trying to build. And those that have succeeded in doing what you want to do, when they became old, they knew they were wrong. The intent for this conference is to hunt all the others. And, and take them back to Sinai so that we can, we can do a national repentance for that yoke that wants to rob us of our destiny to be broken over the nation. Do you know what God said? You know what God said? 
after they did that thing, Moses went to plead on their behalf. I need to, I need to open your eyes. Today, the burden today is the burden of Sinai. Anything that has made you mundane, you are here, you say, okay, you know, I've been working on my PhD, and because of the thesis, that's why I don't have time to pray. Oh my God. You will not eat of shoe bread. And you see, when we are talking about, are you here? Do you still remember Elijah? When Elijah came and sat under the juniper tree, the angel that came to feed him, it was not common bread he brought. That was the bread that Elijah ate two doses. And he was able to walk 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mountain of God. He didn't eat again after the two doses. And the Bible did not record that he was sleeping because he walked 40 days. And what? And 40 nights. Unto Horeb, the mountain of God. There are many things we do not have the qualification to eat because we have not lived that space. You wandered out of the priestly village. That land that the soldiers came was a, a village that priests pioneered. So the culture that was in that village was the culture of the priest. In that place, the vision that God had was found, finding expression in a, in a microbial form. In a microbial form. And then the, David and his people came. Mundane men came. He said, it's hunger now that is a challenge. Said, ah, we are sorry. The bread that is under our hand is not common. It's not the type you find in the marketplace. This is shoe bread. We put it on the altar as witness. As an indication of the fact that our ancestors, the God fed them and they fed God. Men like, like Abraham that invited God for a meal, angels ate in his sitting room. Our ancestors ate the bread, the corn of heaven. It was by the strength that came to the corn of heaven that our ancestors journeyed through the wilderness. And shoe bread was a sign of heaven's food. He said, the bread here is not common. He carries the name of our God. The signet of his glory. And you cannot be a common man and you expect to eat of this delicacy. When they even went and reduced, you know, it was a long catalog of consecrations. But they reduced Almost in emergency, it was an emergency situation. They had to, but there was one item they could not take away. At least, if we if we ignore everything, these ones must not have known. They must not have touched women. So we can't talk about priestly culture without a unique consecration. The reason why there's no fire, sustainable fire in your life, it has a reason. Fire is the weapon of the priest. That's what it uses to communicate with the spirit realm. By burning the flesh of his sacrifices. And the incense that, the aroma of that incense, as it, are, it, 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 it affects the air in the locality. That's the symbol of how prayers are sent to God's chamber. And it comes with a unique incense that draws God's attention. He said, we don't have common bread here. We've maintained the culture of priests in this 
neighborhood. And if you are going to lay hands on some of the delicacies under our hand, at least you must have kept yourself from fornication. I came with, in my syllabus, the first culture of the priestly community. Eh? This one will take us five days before I bring the second culture. The first one is consecration. To take us five days. The second one is separation. That one will take us three days. Hallelujah. How many days there? About eight days. Before we explain the fundamentals. The fundamentals have to do with your culture. The lifestyle of a priest. It is upon that lifestyle that we can now have access to shoe bread. And the things with which we can offer up sacrifices. We, we shouldn't talk about sacrifices and the number of sacrifices and the skill, the instruction that has to do with each sacrifice until we have been certified to be worthy of, of shoe bread. We must have adopted the consecration that is needed for us to function in this high calling. So when it was summarized in that scripture that you are, we are a peculiar people. We are what? Royal priesthood. We are what? A holy nation. It was not because he wanted to write a poem. He was talking about the DNA of a nation. And you happen to be part of that nation. It is the Lord's dream. Are you with me? It is the lost dream that what he could not do with Israel, he would do with the church. Because that's what the church eventually became. Israel could not manage that level of civilization. So the intention was still there in the heart of God. And then he, we, the church now, have been brought to a position where we can be the ones to fulfill that intent on the heart of God. But, excuse me, because there's someone here that might just say, Oh my God, we are already, we are already royal priesthoods. Uh, we are peculiar people. Marakaka. Then I will tell you that what was lacking in David and his soldiers was not the ability to confess. There was a laid down prescription of consecration that would qualify them to eat shoe bread. So the first thing we need to put in place is the culture of the priests, which is consecration. So in our Bible study, I think we'll begin the Bible study tomorrow morning. So that I don't start now. Because it's, it's much. I will not start today. But I will just take you somewhere so that I can close. I want to leave you with a burden before we begin to do the job tomorrow. Consecration will take us five days. But we will look for how to break it. But obviously we cannot finish touching it during this conference. We will need to. That is where we now go to separation, which is holiness. A holy nation. A holy nation. You need to become the right man before you can un understand how to offer the right sacrifices. If a right man knows how to offer spiritual sacrifices, you can undo the program that the kingdom of darkness has done in your family. That you came and you understand the way of this priesthood and the spirit that supports this order of priesthood. There is so much wisdom in him to galvanize you 
to undo everything that was done by satanic wisdom. The thing, the problem that is the challenge is that um, we have Levi and others. Only few have decided to take the burden of the priesthood. That's why it's still difficult for you to discern the voice of God. You've not been doing the, the things priests do. Because if you do the things priests do, you will not miss God's voice. I am not favored because I can hear God. All of us are favored to hear him. I am hearing him because there are, there are some things I do. And if you do those things, those are the cultures that we need to establish in this civilization that God wants to build so that he can have a nation of priests. Is that clear? All right. Before I close, okay, let me start. We'll start with consecration. That's number one. I will do this for 30 minutes and I will stop. Go to the book of Exodus quickly. No, go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. From verse 11 to 13. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you every man-child in your generations. He that is born in the house or he that is bought with money or any stranger which is not of thy seed. Now, there are two sets of people that will be circumcised. The first set of persons is what? The ones that are born in the house. Second set of persons are the ones that are bought with money. All right? And it happens to be that in the New Testament, you were both born in the house and you were bought with the price of the blood of Jesus. Now, these people that are going to be circumcised, the circumcision is a token, it's a mark that they belong to Jehovah. And it happens to be that the two provisions that were made in the book of Genesis about the people of God are satisfied in our new birth experience. We were born by the word of God into this new reality. And we were bought by the price of the blood. What, what, which price satisfied the claims of divine justice and ensured that we're no longer operating under the dominion of darkness. This is the starting point of this matter. All right? Now, now that you are circumcised, but I need to explain something. Maybe stop in Philippians chapter 3. Because not every child of God is circumcised. You know, it is possible for an Israelite that is born Israel not to be circumcised. It means that that Israelite doesn't carry the token of God, the sign by which God's people are identified in the flesh. Exactly? Oh, my. Okay, give me Philippians chapter 3. Not every 
born again child of God is the circumcision. But our entry point into the need for which we will have to consecrate begins with circumcision. That's our entry point for every male that is in the household. He said, this Philippians, 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 Philippians chapter 3, for we are the circumcision. He said, we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We are. There's a new kind of circumcision here. And the new kind of circumcision as such as have no confidence in the flesh. All right? If, um, you see, what happened to you is this. When you give your life to Christ, you were more used to doing things according to your own natural ability. So part of the things that God did in dealing with you is to bring you to a point where you lost confidence in your ability. There are three kinds of people. We have cerebral people, we have strong-willed people, and emotional people. For cerebral people, you think you know all until God will make you make mistakes in the area of knowledge until you discover that you don't know enough to drive your life according to the um, uh, direction of destiny. For strong-willed people, you will make a choice and suffer from that choice and discover that it, you were ordained to only choose what God had chosen. For emotional people, you will love without consulting God. And after you have finished loving, your heart will break. Then you will now realize that you are supposed to love the things that God loves only. It is when you have gone through dealings that you will come to a point where you realize that you cannot have confidence in the flesh. And it is already established through dealings. That's when you become the circumcision. Because the only option that is open to the circumcision is that he can only navigate by the spirit. And that's the reason why he prays in volumes. Many of you can do without prayer. The reason is because you have not become the circumcision. You have other means of survival. Uh, you have the flesh means of survival. That is still an option for you. That's the civilization you have allowed yourself to operate in. Meanwhile, the sign that you are a seed of Abraham is a token called what? Circumcision. So our call into Christ requires that the fullness that is in Christ we will not be able to access until we have had the spiritual circumcision. We have gone through the processes that has damaged our confidence in our natural resources. Maybe there's someone here and you believe that with your beauty you can get by. That's a mistake you will make. But I pray you don't make it. But what, what God normally does to such people is that every other person will get married except you. Then when that day breaks, where you now discover that your beauty was not an advantage, aye, then you become usable. The covering cast is up. And you can only have one confidence. And the confidence that is available to you is confidence in God. That is a mark of the circumcision. You can't trust any other thing apart from what? 
God. You can take off like a tornado. He will wait until he hears the voice of God. The sign of the circumcision is that he has no confidence in the flesh. So you can see that not every believer is the circumcision. But the first mode of identification with the covenant of Abraham for every male that comes into that house either by bet or bought by money is that he must be brought to the place of what? Circumcision. In fact, your journey on the path of spiritual progress readily begins when you have come to this point in your work with God. That's the point we call the point of no return. Anybody that has experienced this cannot turn his back on Jesus. Today we have Christians that are just coming to church as a religion. And they have not had an in-depth encounter with the God they are working with. They have not chosen Jesus. Are you with me? They, are, they, are, they still have their own ways of life. And they have so much confidence in their connections. And they are running things and running things. And on Sunday they will come and give a testimony. You say, you know, this thing is working. This thing is working. This thing is working. He can live in that pool of deception all his days. And Satan will help him waste his life. Because he has not accepted circumcision. We are the circumcision. Paul says. We worship God in spirit. Our only option is the spirit option. Because we have seen the futility of the ways and the possibilities that are bound with what? With the flesh. Is that clear? Alright, so that's the first point. That's the entry point. The mark of circumcision is a proof of ownership. Those days, those days, one of the ways you know that a slave has been bought is that there is a logo. The house that bought the slave has a logo. And that logo is put into fire and used to brand the slave. So if the slave gets lost, they can they say, okay, how did the logo look like? They can bring the slave back to the house of the owner by reason of the mark, the logo placed on the slave. The mark that every true priest is supposed to carry is a mark of having no confidence in the flesh. There are always fleshly alternatives for every spirit adventure that God wants to bring you into. Always. The flesh will always give you suggestions. But whether or not you become the product of God will be determined by the value that the flesh still sustains in your life. For those that are the circumcision, they have come to a point where the flesh has been judged to be valueless. And even though it seems they have seeming advantage by exploring the flesh, the circumcision will not try it because they already know the value of the flesh. It profits nothing. That's the reason why we pray the way we do. Because if you are not going to use fleshly means to arrive at your expectation, and you are going to use godly means, then one of the strongest hub of this new possibility lies with your prayer. A call to priesthood is a call to interface with a spirit being and to gain wisdom from that spirit being as to how he intends your life to be run. Are you with me? All right. That level of dedicated focus on the spirit dimension as the only option can only come 
when you have received the mark of circumcision. With the mark of the circumcision, you are saying, I will not serve mama. I will not serve the world. I will not serve flesh. I will not serve my belly. I will not serve idols. I will only serve God. The job of a priest is to be in God's service. And all of us are supposed to be in active service. And one of the ways you know a prophet, because a prophet, the Bible says that God will never do a thing except he reveals it to what? Is uh, you didn't hear me. To reveal it to who? Do you realize that servants came before prophets? Because it's only a prophet that is in active service that will have access to divine secrets. We have many prophets that are no, no longer in the Lord's service. Consecration is an acknowledgement of the fact that you were designed to serve God by design. Do you get what Moses told Pharaoh? He said, let my people go. Why? That they may serve me. So if I ask you now, what is God's purpose for your life? What are you running? Which scheme are you running? You know how to do business. You know how to make money. Have you cared to ask, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? That's the way of the priest. The priest knows that the reason why he's living is for service. The reason why he was delivered is for service. The reason why he was healed is for service. There is a service that I must bring to God. And all my life should be about this service. I've worked, for, worked in public service for 16 years. I'm first a priest in the Lord's service. And every platform I find myself is a platform that affords me the opportunity to reach a certain kind of people that you may never see on the pulpit. Why I'm there is for service. I'm there as a kingdom representative because an evangelist in the market is still an evangelist. It's about service. So if we administer a questionnaire now, it's okay. Um, what's your purpose in life that you have found from the Lord? You'll be embarrassed before we reach half of this population. The reason is because many pastors are raising the others not the Levites. Meanwhile, God's vision is for what? A nation of priests. A doctor just graduated and I was talking with the doctor and asking the doctor, okay, what area of specialization are you thinking of? Before I could finish the question, he says surgery. I say, any reason for choosing surgery? He said, you know now. That's where the money is. How will you? <laughs> Meanwhile, the mark of circumcision was supposed to guarantee that you will not serve mammon. What will be the, the driver of your life is not pursuit of money. And that's why the church is weak. We raise the others instead of raising the nation as a priestly tribe. 
And so somebody said, okay, my own is not ministry. We are the ones to support it. He doesn't know that we are all called into the ministry. We are all called to do the work of the ministry. It may be that that you're giving is your own ministry, but you need to hear it from God to be sure. Because if you are not sure and you give and the people don't come to thank you, you, you will be offended. But if you know it's a calling, you will know you are doing it unto the Lord. And you will not be looking for thanksgiving. Because you know this is my own assignment for God. We need to pet a lot of people in church. Pet them. Pet them because they have no clue what God has called them to do. Meanwhile, we are trying to raise a nation where everybody knows his role and his service lane in God's kingdom. Are you with me? I don't want to press you too far. We'll do the damage tomorrow because we need to start with the basis of consecration, the meaning of consecration, the way of consecration, and what the Bible means when it calls you a living sacrifice before we consider the result of consecration, comparing the book of Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 12. These are the two scriptures that speak on the subject of consecration in detail in the New Testament. And Leviticus chapter 8 speaks of consecration in detail in the Old Testament. One thing we need to settle today is this. Are you a Levite or are the others? Because when Moses came, the land was defiled. He couldn't enter. He stood at the gate and said, Who is on the Lord's side? It's only the priests. Only the priests. Only the priests. Those are the ones that have given away their will to serve the will of God. They have decided to be what? On the Lord's side. We are going to pray. On Sunday night, we are going to practice priesthood. Where we light a fire in the spirit. All right? There are several insights God will give you when you, when you are a priest. About how the spirit realm works. About how the structure works. About the things we can benefit from that realm. So on Sunday will be practical. Sunday evening will be practical night. But the other sessions is to educate us and to bring us up to speed. He said we are the circumcision. We worship the Father in spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh. Are you a Levite or your others? He said, okay, those are the ones that are called to do that one. We just come and attend church. We come with makeup. And a handbag. Say, okay, we attend church and leave. Because an abomination had taken place. The abomination of the Mount of Sinai, where the golden calf was lifted up. And the nation of priests was degenerated to a tribe of priests. And that's what we want to do today. That the pastors, we that are in ministry, we that are full time, we are the ones that are the priests of this era. And that's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. It was one of the doctrines of devils that was identified in the book of Revelation. Make some people the people that are God people. 
then the rest of people can be living in fornication and coming and say, just release the prayer. That's the system of raising Levites and others. The bane of Mount Sinai. Can we pray today and say, Lord, you know, you know yourself. Don't be in a hurry to pray someone else's prayer. You know yourself. Is it true that you know the assignment that God wants you to do? If it is not true, you, have, you are others. You are others. You are not yet doing what he has created you to do. Meanwhile, the reason for which he saved you is so that you can serve him. Let my people go that they may... We want to eradicate Levites and others syndrome so that everyone can become a part of the nation of priests. Just in case it is obvious to you that you are far away from your calling, far away from what God has ordained you to be and to do. It means that the dichotomy is still in your life. You are far you have decided to be an Israelite. And that your lifestyle, there was no provision for it in God's vision. Israel was supposed to be one with the nation of priests. But an aberration took place that created a possibility which was not on the heart of God. It's time for you to come. Many of you felt the fire of God many years ago. And this fire was on your life. But a time came when you had to abandon everything that God was building because you felt you wanted to pursue life. And you always have relatives that will make you feel that you are wasting. Relatives that will be calling you every day and say, what are you doing? To ensure that you abandon the essence of your existence have been far away. You want to come back to him and say, I'm ready. I'm ready now. I'm ready now. All of us are called to do the work of the ministry. No one is left out in this arrangement. It is a doctrine of devils for a section of believers in the body of Christ to think that they have nothing to do with ministry. Every one of us is called to do the work of the ministry. And this weekend is dedicated, dedicated to restoring every priest that has wandered out of the priest community and has lost the consecration of a priest. So it can no longer eat from the table of shoe bread. Thank you, Father. And if at this time you are now willing to serve him, you can stand up as we pray as a congregation. Let my people go that they may serve me. Let my people go that they may serve me. Let me give you a little insight. Maybe it will help us. Many years ago, a friend of mine in church, I called him and I said, Let's be praying together. That was a personal arrangement. And we began to pray together. Began to pray together. 
when church ends and people go home, we stay back to pray, to press deeper. And our motivation was the scripture that says, launch thou into the deep for a drought. So we wanted to launch. We didn't know what to expect, but we are willing to launch. At least we know how to start. We began to pray. And the prayer began to gain some momentum. Began to gain some momentum. A time came that our pastor thought we wanted to start a church. So he, he, since we were using the church auditorium for the prayer, he shut the prayer down. Meanwhile, he was the major object of that prayer. We were praying for him. He shut it down and said, this kind of... <laughs> so we moved the prayer, the venue. Moved it to his house. And we began to pray. And we began to pray. We're asking God to show us clearly what he wants us to do with our lives. It was in that prayer I encountered the first angel that visited me. The, the word-to-word dictation of what the angel said is still in my diary to this day. And those things have come to pass for your information. Hallelujah. Those encounters I had is what led me to where I am now. Every priest was designed to seek his path from the mouth of God. Anyone that becomes too lazy and says, okay, what life is about is get a job, marry, be comfortable, build a house, you are going the way of mammon. And the reason for your circumcision is so that you, you are announcing that you will not serve mammon, you will not serve the world, you will not serve flesh, you will not serve your belly. I was in a meeting one day, a senior minister held the microphone and said, if you have a million, you can sow it now. The reason for the seed is not anything serious. I just want to take my wife to a Chinese restaurant. If you have 500,000, 100,000, <coughs> he's serving his belly. When we say give to the building, let it be clear to all of us. Hallelujah. That maybe when we finish the building, I will give the breakdown. We, it's not money we are looking for to eat. We want to build a place where people from all nations will come and be disciples. We want to build a place where we can disciple our sons and daughters that are lost in this city. We want to look for them and rehabilitate them by the grace of God. Can you make a pledge to Jesus? I will serve you. I will serve you. So many things fighting for my attention. But in the end, I will serve you. I will serve you with my life. Every advantage you have given me, it is so that I can serve you. Every opportunity you have given me, it is so that I can serve you. Every influence 
you make available to me is so that I can serve you. For it is written, let my people go that they may serve me. Let my people go that they may serve me. That anointing on your life, it will not waste. No, it will not waste. It will be used to actualize the plan of God. That's the reason why you are here. There is a certain line of service that God is expecting you to bring that will garnish his agenda upon the face of the earth. I have a question for you. Who is on the Lord's side? Moses stood by the gate leading to the camp and he cried out, Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, all the glory shines on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey, trust.